message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Give it up for John and Allie and the whole band, okay? How are you all doing? Good. Welcome to old Bakersfield. I use that thing. I make fun of us. Is that all right? When I go to other places to speak, I'll say, I'm from Bakersfield. I said, man, we're down home folk. One day, I would troll, pull one of my friends over and said, you got an ID? And he said, about what? <laughs> Is that all right? We make fun of ourselves, right? I love Bakersfield. Bakersfield's been good to me. Pastor Lydia Ranger, you're here today, and I want to acknowledge you. I love you. Where are you at, Lydia? Come on, I'm not going to let you stay still. She's somewhere in the house watching her son lead worship. That's her baby leading worship up here today. So uh, I want to greet Las Vegas. I know they watch first service. I don't know if they're watching this one or whatever, but Vegas, we love you. And uh, you might have heard the story of a guy who loved football. And his fiance scheduled his wedding on the same day as the Super Bowl. And so he goes, oh, no. So he went online and said, look. I got Super Bowl tickets, and it's also my wedding. And he said, I want to know if anybody wants to go in my place. And so when the people responded, the first one, he said, okay, be at the First Baptist Church, 7 o'clock uh, on Oak Street, <laughs> and wear a tuxedo. <laughs> uh, I said it all wrong first service. I just blew the punchline. Uh, Let's continue. I, I want to I ring this out. Hidden things matter. So, Father, God, anoint me now and help me. There are people here who need to hear this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you came here today. You look nice. you got your matching shirts on. Uh, I see football jerseys. You all took a shower. <laughs> and you smell good. And you look good. And you got your hair combed. And you guys shaved. And... And you, you guys and women both have your makeup on. But deep inside, you brought some baggage in. Nobody can see it. They can see the outside, but they don't see what you're carrying on the inside. No one sees the fears, the insecurities, the anger, the regrets, the depression, the jealousy. Physically, you're okay, but inside, you're struggling. I sent a mass text out. We have, I don't know, 10 or 15,000 people in our text, and I sent a mass text out, and people were writing me back, and I do try to answer you, and they were saying, Pastor Ron, I got to hear this. I got to hear this. Got to hear this. Uh, we live with this stuff. Some of you have the fear of cancer. Just know you're going to get cancer. The fear of dying. You go, man. I don't mind dying, but I don't want to be there when it happens. Fear of something happened to one of our kids. Grief. Some of you in my heart bleeds for you. You lost a child the last two or three years, and you just can't get over it. 
It's there day and night. It's on your mind all the time. And this grief is tormenting you. Some of you have inner anger, jealousy, feelings of being a failure, loneliness. I had a lady approach me in between services. Her husband just died. She has no kids, no parents, no brother, no sister, nobody. She's dying on the inside. And I got to minister to her, and she just sat there and wept. Or it's just plain old depression. One of the number one illnesses in our country today. It takes everything you have just to get up in the morning. It takes everything in you to crawl out of bed and get yourself going. You just feel like Elijah last week. You just want to crawl into a cave and die. You see people's lives going out and how they're playing their lives out. And you know you have a good life, but you just can't live it. Some of you are okay today. You're saying, Pastor Ron, this really isn't for me, I guess. Oh, it could be. You never know what life has for you. Anything could happen right around the corner. You need to get this down for your own sake in case you're ever there. And number two, so you can minister to others. We want to be prepared. Now, let me start today by giving you some good news. You ready for it? Good news. Jesus is our healer. As much as I sympathize with you and I hurt, my heart aches for you. I want you to know there's hope because he is our healer. God is our healer. Look at these verses in Psalms. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, everyone. And he heals your diseases, everyone. Look at the next passage. I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace both near and far, says the Lord, who what? What does it say? Say it again louder. Who heals them. He is our healer. Now, last week we told you the story of Elijah and how this man raised a dead boy to life that was dead, how he predicted a drought and it came just exactly as he said it would, how he called fire out of heaven to devour his sacrifice, and how he prayed for rain in just a few hours. It hadn't rained for years. There was rain coming and pouring out of the heavens. Elijah was truly a man of God. But last week, we left him in a cave on Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai. We left him in a cave, depressed. How do you go from being a miracle worker, that man or woman of God, one moment, and then deep depression the next? Oh, if I gave you a list of famous people that have battled with depression, Lonnie Frisbee, oh, he helped build Calvary Chapel. I mean, one day he got up to preach, and he just walked out, and he said, Holy Spirit, come, went and sat down. And about 10 minutes later, people started falling over, crazy. But then he goes into depression. Ernest Hemingway killed himself. Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, Moses, Elijah, David. I was hoping to get to the story of David today, who also suffered depression. But I'm not going to get there. This is such an important subject, I want to ring it. I want to ring it. I want to take our time and work through it. Now, depression is an illness. Someone calls it 
or named it uh, the common cold of the emotions. It's one of the number one illnesses in our country today. So let's talk more about it. Depression can be caused by many things, a culmination of things. A great loss in someone's life of someone they loved, a child, a parent, a spouse, it, 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 it can cause you to go into depression. Just can't get over it. Maybe it's a loss of a, a career, a marriage, and you just live with this pain every day. It can be a chemical imbalance. Now, I don't think a large percentage of depressions is caused from chemical imbalance, although some can be. I think the majority of depression today is from other things, but it can be chemical imbalance. Wayne Cordero, an acquaintance of mine, uh, he was this pastor of a mega church traveling around at conferences everywhere. One day he's out on the steps of a convention center and he just falls apart and starts crying and weeping. And they whisked him to the hospital and the doctor said, your serotonin level is gone. You have ran so hard for so long, you've depleted your serotonin level. So we know it can be a chemical imbalance, or it can be burnout. It can be a compilation of wrong life choices. It can be drug and alcohol addiction. It can be from loneliness. It's just a, it's just a dark cave, and it, it, you, just, you just can't get out of that cave. It, it, it's really, really real. Last week, last week, I drew your attention to things we learned about Elijah and his depression. Let's go back and make sure that we understand those things. Number one, he was physically depleted. He was physically depleted. Now, Elijah ran almost 200 miles, stopping and not stopping. He ran almost 200 miles without stopping along the way to eat, rest, or drink. And he just soon physically gave out. Now, it's important for you to know that the human life is made up of three parts. First of all, it's your body. Your body connects us to the world. And we're called to take care of our body. And some of you aren't doing that. You came just to hear that today. You can't keep eating all this fast food and not pay the price. It's impossible. I was talking to someone the other day that said, I don't sleep at night, I don't sleep at night. And we talked about caffeine. I said, did you know it takes 10 hours for caffeine to totally get out of your system? So if you're taking caffeine all day, it's never out of your system, and you're probably not going to sleep well. Now, I do caffeine, but I do it in the morning, so by nighttime, it's out of my system. So some of us are not taking care of our body. Our body connects us to the world. Our soul connects us to our emotions, and our spirit connects us to God. Now, if even one of these components is not healthy, it'll affect the other two. Now, last week, Elijah runs and runs and runs until he runs out of gas. He lands under a juniper tree in the wilderness, and he says, God, do me one favor, kill me. I want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. Along comes an angel from God in our story. And what does this angel do? An angel from God. He cooks for him and tells him to take a nap. Now, I want you to notice what this angel didn't do. We don't have anything that tells us that that angel prayed for him. Hmm. We don't have anything that tells us that the angel lectured him. The angel didn't cast a demon out of him. Now, to us Pentecostals, we need to hear this. Don't put God 
in a box. God can work in very practical ways. I told you before, if you come up here and you've got a back problem and you say, Pastor, I'm in pain, pray for me. I really don't care if we get a chiropractor sitting over to pop you. I don't care if God says, go home and drink a lot of water. I don't care if we cast a demon out of you. I just want to get you well. And so we can't put God in a box. And sometimes that's exactly what we do. What if I came to your house tomorrow and you've been really battling with depression and I knocked on your door and I said, God has sent me to minister to you. You go, okay, come on in, Pastor Ron. What's it going to be? God has sent me to cook a dinner for you and watch the kids while you take a nap. I've been anointed to do that. You say, what? I'm telling you. God sent me here to do that. That'd be pretty cool. Now, Elijah had just run uh, over 100 miles in the flesh. God never told him to run from Jezebel. Jezebel threatened to take his life. You remember the story last week? She said, you killed several hundred of my prophets, so by tomorrow at this time, you're toast. You're done. I'm going to kill you. And he ran, but he didn't consult God. We don't see anywhere where he did that. He let his emotions get the best of him. Because, see, he had been on a spiritual high, I told you last week. He got caught in the moment. As a pastor, I know exactly what that's like to get caught in the moment. And so he was coming down off of that high, and he let his emotions get the best of him. Those emotions led to physical burnout, and physical burnout caused him to not even want to pray or anything. He just, it was a domino effect. Now, it all started with the emotions. Now, listen to me. We know now, by looking back, that Elijah should have taken this problem to the altar. He should have prayed before he ran. See, listen to me closely. I'm telling you, it's been a habit of my life forever, and I want to pass it on to you. If the doctor says you have cancer, you don't immediately go see another doctor. Before you even do that, you go to the altar first, and then maybe see another doctor if that's the way God leads you. If you're told your spouse is divorcing you, don't run to attorney first. Run to the altar first, and then do what you need to do. You've got to learn to come to the altar first and pray through before you start running to and fro. Again, read Philippians 4, 6, 7 in the Message Bible. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, do what? Instead of worrying, do what? Ah. Be anxious for nothing, the Bible says, but with supplication, make your request known to God. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Look at the same passage in the NIV. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every single situation, by prayer and petition with God's thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's what will happen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds and keep you from doing stupid things. You do stupid things when you have no peace. Don't move until God confirms 
that it's his will. Don't take on a new ministry until God confirms it's his will. Don't commit yourself at work to too many things unless you know it's God's will. See, when God calls you to do something, he gives you the power and the strength and the energy to do it. Can I just ask you a question? Are you doing anything that God hasn't called you to do? Think about that. That could be your whole reason for coming today. Are you doing anything that God has not called you to do? And, and because you're doing that, you might be burning out. I know for me, God has called me to preach, train leaders, and do administration. God has not called me to do weddings and funerals and hospital calls. I don't do those things. I'll do funerals for people that's been here a lot of years. But I'm not called to do that. And those things take a lot of energy out of me. You don't want me to come to the hospital. I mean, I don't like hospitals. I don't like the chemical smell. I don't like anything about them. I might come in and get sicker than you just visiting you. But if you ever do see me at a hospital call, you're in there, you better know I'm there for one reason only, to give you your last rites. That's why I'm there. Otherwise, unless it's not that serious, I'm probably not going to be there. I know what I've been called to do and not do. And the things I've been called to do, I have energy to do, and I like doing them. The things that I have not been called to do, this wear me out. Elijah just needed some food and rest. Now, now I want you to hear this. God is putting him on a healing journey. A journey. Okay? First of all, he had to get the body right. So God gave him rest. Gave him some spiritual food to eat. And he told him to nap. Nap it away. Get rested up. But after he gets rested up and his physical body's doing okay, he still has depression. His physical problem's been taken care of because he's on a healing journey now. And uh, now... What he has to do is he has to get the emotional and spiritual right. So he ends up in a cave, and I said this last week, but it's so important. I'll say it again. He ends up in a cave, and God says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Did God know what he was doing there? Absolutely. But God said, Elijah, come on, let's talk it out. Talk it out. we got to talk this out. you got to get it out in the open. Come on, I want to hear you talk this out with me. God knew. See, when you leave yucky stuff down in here and you don't get it out, it's like mold. It grows in those dark places. And so you have to get it out. Today, we'll have prayer people up here. I trust these people. You might want to come up, so I've never told anybody this before, but I want to kill myself. Now, what they're going to do, they're going to pray for you, and they're also going to offer you counseling. They've got a clipboard. They're going to write your name down and say, we need counseling. We're going to get counseling here. Or you might come up and say, you know what? My baby died. It was four years ago, and I can't get over it. You, once you get that out, you, you're going to start being healed. That's what the Bible says. Confess your sins and faults for one another and pray for one another. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's regrets. You come up and say, you know what? I don't trust my spouse, man, and it's eating me alive. Once you get it out, that's the second step on the healing journey. And then God said, go stand at the entrance of the cave and I'll talk to you. Now, I got a lot to say, but I'll say this much. I didn't say it in the first service. Something drove Elijah all the way to Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. That might be the same cave even. We know it's the same mountain where God appeared to Moses. And he says, I really believe God will appear to me there. We all have those places where God talks to us at. 
If, if, if God always talked to you on the mountain or at the beach or whatever, then maybe you ought to go back there. Maybe he's still there. I say that, of course, symbolically. We know he's there. So we have those places, and Elijah goes back to this cave. Now get this. There was a wind, and God wasn't in it. There was an earthquake, God wasn't in it. There was fire, and God wasn't in it. But then came the sound of a gentle whisper or a gentle breeze, and God was in that. Now, again, I'm going back to my Pentecostal roots. Sometimes you go to Pentecost church, man, we have to yell, you know, and Jesus said, hallelujah, can I hear hallelujah back here? And you know what? God moved that day, and I want to hear another hallelujah. And we, we get all excited working people's emotions up because we think that's the way God moves. And sometimes it is. But I usually say, pastors that yell the loudest sometimes have the least to say. We want to get an amen. We want to get a hallelujah. And they work the people up. And they go, you know, and they talk real loud and they yell. And yeah. Now, we know God can speak that way. On the day of Pentecost, he communicated through a mighty roaring wind. On the mountain, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush on fire. And then he spoke to Israel in an earthquake. But don't throw out or discount those whispering moments where it's nothing super powerful, at least on the outside, but it is to your heart. Again, I don't want to be redundant, but I had a pastor one day. Something happened in his life while I was there, something that, that should have really upset him. And I wasn't a Christian yet, and I thought, watch this dude. He's going to cuss now. Look what happened. And he just smiled. He said, you know, I'll just have to start all over again. And for the first time, I thought, maybe this is legitimate. I told you when I was a little guy, about 12 or 13, my dad said I was stupid, an idiot, get up to the house. And my uncle came by. He didn't say much. He just walked over and patted me on the head. He said, Ronnie, it's going to be okay, buddy. And that meant so much to me that that happened, what, 60 years ago, and I still remember it. A preacher one day, I was running from God, and I was young. And I don't even know why I was traveling, but something told me to stop at a church, and I was raised in church, so I went in, and this preacher stopped right in the middle, and he looked, I thought, at me. He said, I want you to know, you can keep running from God, but God still loves you, and he's forgiven you for all you've done. And it was like, oh, my goodness. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't screaming. So we've got to be careful not to put God in this box. Now, I, I'm getting really close on time. But I want to give you a few more things today that deals with depression, and I'll be really quick. These are generic. And the first thing I want to tell you is deal with the stress in your life. You don't, might not know this, but stress can be, oh, bless you. That was a good one. That needed to come out. Stress can be a precursor to depression. If you live with stress long enough, that can lead into depression. Uh, get your balloon out. Did you get a balloon when you came in? Everybody get a balloon. Get your balloon out. I want you to do something. I saw a pastor use this years ago as the illustration, and I stole it from him. Pretty cool. Now, right now, what I want you to do, I'm going to name some stuff, and if this is true of you, I want you to give it a big, big breath. Blow it up and hold it. Blow it and hold it every time something's true. The first thing I want to ask you did you have a problem on your job this week? If you did, blow that balloon and hold it. Give it a big breath. Number two, now hold it. Have you had any financial challenges? Right now, are you living with some financial challenges? If so, give it another big blow. 
Did you have an argument with someone you loved this week? If so, give it a blow. Do you have any health challenges? Blow it if you do. Are you living with marriage problems? If so, blow it. Did anyone close to you die in the last year? If so, give it a big breath. Did you go to bed worrying even one time this week? If so, blow it up. Keep going. Do you have a doctor appointment in the next 30 days? If so, blow it up. Are you going to move anytime soon? If you are, blow it up. Some of you are about there. In the last month, have you worried about your kids at all? Really worried about them? Give it a big blow. Are you wondering when this stupid illustration is going to be over? If so, give it a big blow. Oh, oh, somebody's stressed out. Somebody's stressed out. Oh, somebody's stressing out over there. That's good. Hold it. Don't let go of it. Don't let go of it. Whoa. We're getting some stress going here. Hold it. Hold it. Hold the balloon. Hold it. I want to read you a verse in 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now listen, hold the balloon, hold the balloon. I'm going to pray this over you right now, Father God. <laughs> just keep stressing out. Father God, we got some junk in our life. And Lord, we're going to make a choice today to give our problems to you. And today, we're not going to worry about them. We'll live one day at a time. And when this problem comes, you'll be big enough for it. So today, we give our stress and problems to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let them go. (laughs) Somebody's still stressing out back there. Listen to me. It takes humility to give God your problems. And what a witness tool it is when you say, you know, if you want to really beat this stuff, say, I'll have, a, I'll have a worry day one day a week. I'm going to choose Wednesday from 9 to 11 to worry. So everything you're going to worry about, put it in a box, and don't worry until your worry day. Number two, focus. Don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. It takes practice. It takes practice. Maybe you don't have your child anymore. They died, but we got a bunch of kids right out in this youth department that have no dads and no moms. Some of them don't have moms, some of them have dads. Some don't have either, really. They're in foster care. Uh, maybe your spouse left you. That's all right. A lot of good people out there yet, okay? Maybe you lost your good job. You don't have it anymore. Your career is gone. But you know what? You have other things. Focus on the good things. Everybody has motorhomes. They have, you know, I don't have anything. Borrow somebody's tent trailer here. You can make as good memories in a tent trailer as you can a motorhome. Uh, you know what? I don't have a beautiful home. I don't have, I have a real small, hey, you've got beautiful parks all over the city that, and the county that you can enjoy. Health. I don't have good health right now. Well, you know what? You made it here today, right? Live one day at a time. Number three, get involved. I can't stress this enough. When you're given out, you get back. I mean, that's my lifesaver. 
I, I really, boy, I, I don't even know if I say this. I've never really had any long problems with depression. I might have it every once in a while. I look back today and I thought, God, why? I, I've never really had this. And it runs in my family a lot and everything. But I spent my life giving to other people. I do it every day. I had a lady in the gym yes, yesterday, and I, I just felt for, for two or three days watching her that God wanted to do something in her life. So I went up, she didn't speak English, and I said, Estudio Espanol un año, but no mucho. I can just enough to mess it up. So what I did is I got on my phone and wrote out everything I want to say to her, and then I had it translated into Spanish, and I went and had her read it. And I'm telling you, when you give out, you give back. Now, years ago, I started something called Plus One. And Pastor Jim wrote me the other day in our Thousand Oaks Church said, thank you for starting that. I was wanting to do something for somebody and I didn't have the money. So next week, you're all going to bring a dollar. Everybody's going to bring a dollar. But take a look at our Thousand Oaks Church and what they did this week. What's up, guys? Pastor Jim Cruz here, lead pastor of Atmosphere Church. And Pastor Phil and I are about ready to head out on a mission. And our mission is kind of like a reverse treasure hunt. You see, this last Sunday at church, we encourage everybody to bring a dollar bill. And we put all of our dollar bills together and we're gonna go show some outrageous generosity to a complete stranger that has no idea what's about to happen. And what I love about the Plus One Challenge is we take a dollar, right? Your dollar, my dollar, our little bit, we put our little bit together and it's gonna make a big difference in someone else's life. So hang on and you're gonna see an amazing miracle of God. Do you believe in miracles? pastor of a local church. And uh, we did a little, kind of like a challenge for people to give a dollar uh, on Sunday. And so we gave all these dollar bills and then we prayed and God sent us to the Newberry Park High School parking lot. I don't know if you have faith in God or you believe in God, but I have something for you, okay? This is from, from our people. And we prayed, and you, and you were right here. So this is, so you can use this however you want. But we have, have $1,500. Oh my God. We have $1,500. Because God chose you. Because we prayed so hard. I even came here yesterday, and it wasn't, if it wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right person. Pray 
Bring a dollar next week. The other thing I want you to do, the next PowerPoint, start praising instead of grumbling. You will not believe what that'll do. Look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice when? Always. Do you think God might know what he's talking about? Rejoice always. Pray continually. That means God will be answering prayers continually. Give thanks in how many circumstances? Okay, hold it now. What does it say? Give thanks in what? All circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt. And it goes on. This is a book that I have loved, Power and Praise by Merlin Carruthers. He has one called Prison to Praise. It's an old rendition. I don't even know if they make them anymore. I found them in my office under a bunch of stuff the other day. Merlin Carruthers believes a lot in praising God in all situations. He said it releases the power of God. He said you'll see miracles. In fact, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of his heart. You know what that word delight means in the Hebrew? It means be delicate. Be very delicate. It means be dainty. It means be flexible. In other words, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you go, I don't know how this is going to turn out, and I don't have any way of knowing, but I'm flexible. Tell me what to do. I just know you're going to come through some way. Never do you use praise as a manipulative tool to try to get something from God. He's not saying that. If you read the book, he's just saying, just praise God in every situation and let God have it and see what happens. And he starts the book out, Jim's father had been an alcoholic for 30 years. During all those years, Jim's mother and later Jim and his young wife had prayed that God would heal him with no apparent results. He refused to admit that he had an alcohol problem. And if anyone mentioned religion, he would leave the house. One day, it says, Jim heard me speak about the power of praise, and he went to his little young wife and said, let's just try it. Let's start praising God for dad being right where he's at. Let's praise God for it and say, God, you know where he's at. Your power is bigger than alcohol. He said, we didn't praise God, but one day that my dad came to the house for dinner, and usually he would leave real early, but this night, he said he, he stayed around. And he asked me a question that blew me away. He says, what do you think about this Jesus revolution? He said, I saw something on the news about it last night. Is it just a fad, or is God really doing something in these young drug addicts' heart? And he said he was shocked. Him and his dad had a long conversation. He said they kept praising God for right where he was at. And he said another week or two went by. He went to church with him and ended up giving his life to God. And he, he says that's through, through prayer. He gave another illustration right in the beginning of the book. A mother came in and wanted prayer for her daughter who was a stripper. And, and, and Myrna Crothers prayed for her, and he said, now let's try something. Let's start praising God, that God knows where she's at, and God's bigger than stripping, that God might have a plan to save her even in the midst of this. Let's just start giving God thanks that he's hearing our prayers, that he's there. And she says, that's sacrilegious. How can I thank God for my daughter stripping? He said, just telling you, praise God that he knows she's there, and, and you're not thanking him really for what she's doing. You're thanking him in the midst of it, saying you're bigger than this. And so the girl ends up getting saved, and she tells her mother the story. She says, this is about two weeks after they started just giving God praise. They gave God the problem. She said, I was stripping one night, Mom, and I was nearly nude on the platform. And some guy came in, and he kind of motioned for me. I, I, I went over, and he says, God told me that he loves you. He loves you very much. 
And she went and finished her dance, and she was so curious, she went down and said, why would you come in? I've heard a lot of things from men, but why would you come in and tell me that God loves me? So, well, it's easy. I was walking down the street. I had no intentions of coming in here. And God told me, he said, you go in there, and you find the first stripper you see and tell her that I love her and have a plan for her. She ended up getting saved. The mother was blown away. Now, again, we don't use it as manipulation. It's just, it's, it says in the Bible, what? Thank God and praise Him in all circumstances. So all you're doing is saying, God, I give it to you. I'm pliable. I'm delicate. I'll, I'll move however. But I just know you're bigger than that. And you can still save them in that environment. And then I just got two more real quickly. Uh, number five, create a wellness backpack. Now, this is for those of you that are suffering with depression. If you're suffering with depression, I would be carrying a wellness backpack with me everywhere I go to get out of it. What's in the wellness backpack? Well, first of all, I thought of one of my favorite books uh, of all times called uh, Firestarters. I'd like to get to know this author a little better. I like it. I didn't know people were using this book this way. But I called somebody in the hospital. I said, man, nurse comes by every day. She says, look up in the back. Look up depression. And it'll say depression. It'll take you to a page and tell you how to pray. Look up fear, and it takes you to the page and tells you how to pray. Look up loneliness, and it takes you to the page. I would have this with me in my wellness backpack. And then also, what I would have, because exercise really helps me, I'd carry something to exercise. And if I started getting depressed, man, I'd start exercising. And then for me, and I know you're going to boo me on this, I have a little pack of caffeine pills. 100 milligrams, no more than your coffee. I don't drink coffee. And I'll tell you, when, when I get energized, I feel a whole lot better. And then what I do, too, is I have my favorite songs on my telephone. My telephone's in here somewhere. But I have my favorite song on here. I have two worship songs that I love to hear. They're anointed. And I'll, 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 I'll bring those out. Music's powerful. Do you know that? I listened to the 60s the other day, and I heard that song. I've been lonely too long, lonely too long. I used to rock out to that. 13 years old, I've been lonely too long? Give me a break. <laughs> uh, but, but I did. Music's powerful. And then I have a number. Ty in Vegas says, Pastor Ron, call me anytime, and I'll be there for you. Uh, and, and so I have numbers to call. So I would carry a wellness backpack if indeed I was suffering from depression. I would have it with me everywhere I go. Your backpack will have different stuff in it than mine. And then last but not least, decide to start on your healing journey today. Today. Listen to me closely. You got to get something about God. You got to get this down. If you go back to Genesis, it was evening first and then morning. Evening first and morning, every day that he created. God started with darkness and worked out of the darkness light. Right now, your world's dark, but I want to tell you something. We're going to close now. We're going to start wrapping this up, but I want to tell you something. Listen closely. Look at your neighbor and say, listen closely. Are you ready? As I wrap this up, are you ready? Right now, you're in darkness. If you go to God today and believe your prayer and say, God, I want to be started on a healing journey today from depression. Today. Now listen to me. See, tonight I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to bed probably around 10 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. Somewhere two or three hours later, it's going to turn, the clock's going to turn to be 1 o'clock in the morning on Monday. But I'm not going to realize the day has changed because it's still going to be dark outside. It's still going to look the same. 
But the day has changed. It's turned into a new day. And I'm here to tell you this. Listen closely. That if you will say today, today enough is enough. Now listen to me. On this journey, if it's a chemical imbalance even, God's still your healer. He can lead you to the right doctor that will say, here's a pill. You can take this pill. It's going to help you enormously. I don't understand why Christians think that taking pills is so much of a sin. That pill might have the serotonin in it that your body is depleted. You might need that pill. I would take that pill every day and ask God to bless it. God can heal through that. And so, if you declare today, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm going to start a healing journey today. It might take a while. It'll still look dark outside. But a new day is dawned. And you're on your way. You're on your journey. See, when you think about it, we don't have long on this earth. Life is like a monopoly game. In a sense. You, you get to choose the character you want to be. Then you go out there and you hit waterworks and you hit electric place or whatever and you hit these things and, and a lot of you, unfortunately, go to jail and you, you get an out-of-jail-free card. And so you're marching around that board buying properties, hotels that you'll leave to somebody else someday. But you're going around that board and the object is to get around the board, pay your dues, get blessed along the way. Sometimes you get a chance and you get blessed and then end up all the way around the board at go. And that means go home, and you want to bring souls with you. You don't have time to waste. I often wonder if the people in heaven today, if, and this is probably dumb, but is it even possible, that they ever look down and envy us because they go, they still have a chance to, to win souls for the kingdom. They still have a chance to serve God. We're now in heaven, but they still have a chance. Now, Elijah, what do you do? is on a healing journey. First of all, he had to get the body back in shape, the physical. Some of you need to start eating better, getting in bed at a certain time, getting up, get the physical. And then after he got the physical, what did he do? He had to talk out his problems as part of the healing journey. Then he had to start hearing God, and then he got recommissioned into service. He starts serving again. You're on a journey. That's it. Resume next week. Let's continue. Let's look at David. We're going to get through this. Say, we're going to get through this. Father God. Bless us today. If there's anybody here that's taken medication for depression, bless that medication. If it's the wrong medication, divinely get them off of it. Lord, speak to us. I, I planted the seeds. If you've never been born again, just go to God somewhere today. Come up here up front. Get in your car. You go in your bathroom at home and say, today I want to become a Christian. God, send your Holy Spirit. Start coming and living in my body and give me the strength I need to serve you. Let's stand. I think it's appropriate. And one of my favorite songs for the last two years, I have favorite ones, they change. Let's sing this song and you're free to leave whenever. But let's sing this song to God. Love you guys. I'll see you here, there, in the air. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.